passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. It is rewind to raw. I am John Pollock. Here in the freezing, cold Toronto weather. And this guy comes back with this tan. Look at Wei Ting, fresh off his week-long vacation. How are you, Wei? uh, John. Dude, you're glowing. Look, Could you make me look more white than this contrast? I mean, listen, I I was about to show up at my tank top, um, but, um, you know, didn't want to make you feel too bad. But Don't, Don't let us stop you. Yeah. Uh, all I could say is waiting is home. I am home. I love you guys. <laughs> I love you. Uh, yeah. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you so much, John, as always, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like, you know, that often that we try to, um, take time off because of, I think how much falls on the other person to, you know, keep, keep everything afloat. But, uh, you did a great job. I want to thank Andrew and Neil for stepping in. Uh, along with the, our usual, um, you know, crazy schedule here over at Post Wrestling. So thank you for uh, the week. Yeah, I want to, just so I don't forget, I want to thank um, in particular, not just uh, Neil and Andrew, um, but of the Post Wrestling roster, the two toughest people on our roster, Kate from Montreal and Karen Peterson, who on Sunday uh, went through with shows despite COVID and like, a dog attack and still went through with their shows. So mm-hmm. uh, there you have it, everybody. The, uh, as I dubbed Karen, the, uh, the stone pipple of a uh, post wrestling, and maybe we will uh, bestow a, a similar label, maybe uh, the Masato Tanaka of a uh, post wrestling in uh Kate from Montreal. So I mm-hmm. hope both of them are, are, are doing better as well, but uh, couldn't even tell the difference uh, listening to them. True, two true pros. Uh, absolutely. Uh, especially Kate, you know, sharing a lot of her thoughts about attending both rampage and, or sorry. Uh, well, I guess Rampage and Dynamite and Collision from uh, Montreal this past week. So check those shows out over at postwrestlingcafe.com. Yeah, I don't know what it says about these AEW shows. That both Kate and I can now claim that we, we've contracted COVID at AEW shows in Canada. But uh, I, I nonetheless, uh, come, come for the wrestling, stay for the COVID. Uh, but yes, a uh, lot of great shows over this past weekend. It was a super busy weekend, but we have uh, tons of stuff. Uh, myself and Neil going through SmackDown on Friday. Brayden and Davey having a great rundown of Deadline on Saturday. And then Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson did a review of the World Tag League Final on the cafe as well. John Cena, who was very busy over the last week, going to MLW, going to NXT. And Kate from Montreal attending both AEW 
nights in Montreal as well. So you got a lot of uh, live perspectives on Collision Course. So those shows are up on the cafe, as is a audio news update today, uh, getting you all caught up on all the latest news today and coming out of the weekend. So a great time to be a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. I, I know. I, I, I mean, we, we have been saying it every single time, but I, I love your audio news updates. Like you, you put so much work into them. It feels like it's a team production, but I know it's just you doing it like in a, I don't know, few hours. Like John will like throw to audio clips. It feels like it's like a, like a, like, like a well-produced news broadcast, you know? So it's anyway. it's very similar to how NPR um, does their morning mm-hmm. shows as well, because much like NPR, uh, if you listen to today's audio news updates, they are recorded in between my father-in-law fixing our basement <laughs> and I have to wait for him to stop working. So there's mm-hmm. silence for about a five minute period and I could sneak in an update with the MLW lawsuit. It's It's exactly like the New York Times runs or any yeah. other major outlet out there when, you know, you have construction going on. Um, outside mm-hmm. your door uh yeah I'm, I'm sure that's the that adds to the quality of it it's hey, the a diy bit. mentality or as michael cole referred to it tonight the dyi yes mentality yes, yes. Okay. do yourself it do yourself it that's <laughs> the mantra i live and die by <laughs> okay. uh, but welcome back way we everyone has missed you i've i've been fielding all the the hate letters of pollock when will way be back we're tired of you no. um i'm ready to everybody. i'm ready to leave uh, uh again you know in a few weeks from now because i i, I think uh the shows are better than ever so hey uh but i am back and i'm in a very giving mood john not only am are we going to give a great discussion of today's news to all the people listening right now hello everybody especially you guys at the youtube not only are we going to be giving a great review of this edition of raw the best you'll find anywhere we're also going to be giving away tickets to an advanced greeting of the Iron Claw in Toronto on Thursday at the Scotiabank uh, Theater here in Toronto. So uh, when, when are we doing that? At the end? We'll do it right after the review. So we will we will get through Raw, and then we're going to go through the contest of your submissions to cast. Who would you cast to play your subject for a wrestling bio? Uh, we will go through the best uh, responses. How many tickets are we giving out? We're giving four pairs away. So four Four pairs of tickets will be handed out uh, to the screening. And that ties into our first news item, which um, just an FYI way, the the news, um, there's about three extra things I I have added. So it's uh, it's a busy day. No problem. But tonight there was a screening of the Iron Claw. I believe it was in Los Angeles, but um, Variety was posting all of these videos. And of course, wrestling bands gravitating to the interaction and photos taken with John Cena and Lance Von Erich himself, MJF, who was uh, there at the screening. But uh, Kevin Von Erich was there, um, all the, the cast members as well. So a lot of that uh, circulating. And Wei, you will be also watching the film later this week, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I'll be going on Thursday along with okay. our winners. Yeah. All right. Um, How about you? Well, I've seen the movie, but I will. You be, already uh, have. Which one I, did you go to? Um, what uh, advanced, advanced screening did you get tickets to? Listen, I, me and about uh, 15 other media members got to see it uh, recently. Well, suddenly, uh, which, I don't feel so special. This contest, well, which is, which is, we should just scrap at this point. Well, um, you and I should definitely chat about it later this week. Maybe on, maybe on, I, I don't know how. Are you sure you don't want to just spoil it? Oh, I guess you, I mean, not much to spoil for this um, one. It, 
so the thing was that I went to this screening last week and part of going to this uh, media screening was you, you do have to sign an embargo. So I can talk about this as of Tuesday. Um, that's a long time. That's like a week. So I had to come home. I had to write down all my thoughts on this movie. So I don't like, so that I remember the specific details about it. So then I have to go revisit this. Um, so anyway, I will talk about it later this week uh, once you've seen it, but I also, um, I don't know how many people out there want us to hear like a, a spoiler review of the film until it's out uh, as well. But what exactly I, would a spoiler review be for a film like this? Th- well, there's plenty that I can talk about in, in this film that, uh, anyway. Oh, that, that we wouldn't already assume you mean all I am. St- well, I mean, there's, there's lots of things that, I mean, in, in okay. how they tell the story and we, we will talk about it, I guess at a later date. You're right. Yeah. Well, we will, we will get to it, um, in, in due time. Ace Steele was on um, was on Rip Rogers show and he was asked about it was brought up to him about the the brawl at uh, All Out 2022 and just asked a series of questions that their audience had been asking, including um, what does Kenny Omega taste like? And uh, Ace Steele <laughs> fielded these questions and some of the notes he mentioned was the fact that um, he and basically as asserting that like himself and punk cannot talk about it and never are going to. However, he did note his wife is the only one who can say something and maybe she will one day. She was in the locker room and it sounds like she is not bound by any, um, any agreement, any kind of document that would prevent her from sharing that side. So that's interesting. Very, very steadfast, loyal to CM Punk. You don't F with family and said, we, we came out just fine after all of this. Praise to the high heavens, his lawyer, Stephen P. New, and um, looking out for for wrestlers, for the boys, and said that he's very proud of Punk for going back to WWE, showing everyone who he is. He joked that the whole brawl out incident, it's going to be a dark side of the ring one day. Um, But then at the end, got kind of serious about the fact that, you know, he hears people talk about concerns over mental health. No one cared about my mental health when all of this stuff was going on and pretty much alluded to what was written about him, what was um, people making light of this fact and that that some preach about mental health, but they certainly did not seem to concern themselves about his mental health, but he seemed to be overall in, in a good spot where this, this has gone from. But I would say of the principal characters in that locker room, this has been the most public that someone has spoken about it um, on the record uh, in terms of the Bucks, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, um, Ace Steel, and Ace Steel's wife being the primary ones. Um, so at least alluding to, you know, several, several issues um, that, that were brought up here and I guess confirming like who can and cannot talk in the future. Who's going to get the first exclusive with Ace Steel's wife? Well, if, if you're Evan Husney, um, you're probably contacting um, Ace Steel's wife. That would be your first uh, first phone call, I think. MLW and well, WWE. What, what did you respond to? Uh, how Kenny Omega tastes like? Well, he was he, he didn't address that <laughs> one, but that was how one of the hosts kind of uh, said, you know all our our listeners are asking about this, and he just went through like a, a field a bunch of questions, and it's like how did Kenny Omega taste? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty silly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the story at at its core was pretty silly, but got very very serious by the end. MLW and WWE. All of a sudden, it looks like um, this big suit that was filed in January of 2022, two sides have gotten together and they've reached the settlement and lawyers representing both sides uh, notified the uh, the district court on Monday and stated that 
they have settled this action. They're in the process of completing the settlement documents and will be filing the appropriate paperwork over the next month and thus brings an end to this antitrust suit that was more so than anything. I think we were looking at this from the same lens as the UFC antitrust suit, not in the sense that they're apples to apples, but look how much information has come out on the UFC's business that we were not privy to in the past. And through the reporting of a bloody elbow that have gone through all of these documents, all of these, uh, the, the emails, which you missed last week, way the dreaded UFC emails. I heard some, um, I heard some of well, your discussion about these. Yeah. Emails. Cutthroat bro. And yeah. yeah, it looks as though this is, I would, it, we don't know what the terms of the settlement are. Um, I have reached out to people at MLW who have not, commented on the nature of the settlement or or any response to it uh as well we've reached out to their their legal uh team but um you, you would think that this is you know some kind of well we, we can't even like speculate if, they, if it's a cash settlement or not there's i would given the, the law firm that mlw had here like uh with mark kasowitz this was a major major legal firm that they had behind here and whatever they were working on like this is almost two years that they were working on this and you remember that the case was dismissed earlier this year and then they had to amend the complaint and were actually successful in amending the complaint back in march because this looked to be almost done and then they had three weeks to amend their complaint and the judge allowed them to continue it so it got a second life in this but um you know i'm i'm certain this was this was not a cheap case to take on for mlw but we will see what the end result is if if either side uh, talks about it or if the sides are not allowed to talk about it and it's only their significant other that is allowed to speak about it for a future dark side of the ring this might be uh, evan husney's second phone call uh for for um you know his uh to-do list very well could be yeah and as always um the lawyers win it's it's the guaranteed the house always wins Mm-hmm. NXT deadline over the weekend. I'm assuming you did not get to see deadline over. The I weekend. only saw the punk interview, which wasn't much of an interview, I, I suppose. What but, a tease um, that they, uh, they thread throughout the day on Saturday for a selfie. This is probably the most promoted selfie uh, in WWE history that they, uh, they led up to. Um, we're not going to go through the whole show. You can get Braden Davies thoughts on it. I do feel like the iron survivor challenge is a gimmick match that I think has worked really well. Like when this was first announced, you're sort of wondering, like, man, is this going to work? It it has elements of like the scramble matches that they used to do, and King of the Mountain and uh, Royal Rumble with the the timed entrances and semi war games. But for all the details, when you saw it executed last year, it worked really well. And this year, in particular, the men's match, I thought was just done so well. And this is one instance that I am going to point to in the future that all, all people always get on me about like spoiler this and spoiler that this was a match that I, I watched and I knew who was winning it at the end. And I promise you, it was so much more entertaining and exciting knowing who was going to win and how they were going to pull it off because trick Williams is going into the final, I would say two minutes with like zero falls. He has four falls to make up at the end of this. And they pulled it off well, gets the fourth pin with like four seconds left, pinning Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker looked amazing in this match. They made him just this killer that came out. It was spear, 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 get, racks up three pins right away. But 
the, the layout and the, the layout of the women's match was very good too. But the men's match, if you want to, I'm pretty sure of the four, this is probably the best executed of the iron survivor challenge matches was the men's match on Saturday night. And then Ilya Dragunov retaining the title against Baron Corbin. It was one of the better Baron Corbin matches you are going to see. And I thought for a 20 minute match with Baron Corbin, I, I thought they succeeded in this. So um, those would be two matches I would, I would recommend from the show overall. It was a, uh, entertaining show not not the best i would say nxt premium live event but very solid two and a half hour show with, with a few dips on, on the show match wise bishimon uh took on el Fantasmo and hikuleo in the finals of the world tag league that aired on sunday morning um a crisp 40 and a half minute match to culminate the the tag league with bishimon winning the championship or winning the world tag league i should say so you have the IWGP tag champions winning and they beat Fantasmo and Hikuleo, who are the strong openweight tag champions. So after winning, they challenge Fantasmo and Hikuleo to a rematch at Wrestle Kingdom and they will it will be title versus title at the Tokyo Dome. So God forbid we are getting ta- tag titles that are going to be uh, joined. I mean, sim- uh, I don't know. Simplification is is a good thing. Overall, I love you it. Say? Yes, yes. A double, of it. double crown champions. The double crown. Okay, yeah. that's uh, that sounds more like a nacho order that you would get. But uh, sure, you could go with that as well. After the World Tag League, they held their press conference and some updates for Wrestle Kingdom 18 is that the three-way match between Will Ospreay, John Moxley, and David Finley will now be contested for the IWGP, wait for it, Global Championship. So replacing the IWGP US and UK titles that were a fracturing of, uh, I guess, the intercontinental lineage. Um, now comes the global heavyweight championship. So does mm-hmm. this, does the global championship trump the IWGP world heavyweight championship? What is bigger, global mm. or world? Aren't they the same thing? Well, that's what I'm asking you. How do we decipher mm. these championships? Who has the control of the universe? Well, what is it? What is intercontinental exactly? Is that is that not a, another word for world? Or are you just champion of the spaces in between you're, the continents? You're the space, yeah, the the continent. So you're the really the ocean. You're the water it's champion. The intra, really. the intercontinental champion. Oh, yes. okay. Global. I don't know, dude. It just sounds pretty. I suppose. Um, sounds kind of grand, and and it's bigger. I guess than the U.S. or the U.K. Um, <laughs> it's another bullshit name for a championship. Okay, that was the other title that they were considering before Global won out. They they did an yeah. office poll, and uh, yours got beaten out. Noah has quite the card on January the second. It's their New Year event at Ariaki Arena, headlined by Kota Ibushi and now Michi Marafuji, as well as Keno defending the GHC heavyweight title against Manabu Soya. But they have added um, three New Japan versus Noah matches, so you're going to get Kaito Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa, who were just in the tag league, taking on Evil and Yujiro. Because when I think dream matches, promotion versus promotion, where is Yujiro and when do I sign him up? Uh, also being added, Masa Kitamiya and Tomohiro Ishii, which is the Spider-Man meme come to life on January the 2nd, and Satoshi Kojima against Go Shiozaki. So those are some fun matches. Overall, this card looks really entertaining. You've got uh, Daga against Ada for the junior heavyweight title, Zack Sabre Jr. and his former partner Yoshinari Ogawa against Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hayata. That's two days before Zack and Tanahashi have their TV title match at the Dome. And former UFC fighter Yulka Sasaki 
taking on Takashi Sugiura. So Skarda is something for everybody, I would say. Cool. It's a very uh, diverse show. January the 2nd. Ratings note, SmackDown uh, did a big number on Friday for Tribute to the Troops featuring CM Punk. When did you think we were going to say that? Tribute to the Troops featuring CM Punk. Anything involving CM Punk um, from this year, I would say 90% I, I probably wouldn't have predicted. Yeah. Well, the first appearance on SmackDown since his return drew 2,384,000 viewers and a 0.63 in the demo. Um, this was their largest audience since the season premiere on October 13th, highest 18 to 49 audience since the week before that in October, uh, 18 to 34, highest audience since September 15th, and in Canada, drawing over 185,000 viewers on Sportsnet 360, which was fourth among sports programs for the night. Rampage, that same night, 341,000 viewers and a 0.12 in the demo. So the demo was up 13% from last week. This was featuring Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia, which was one of the larger matches they put on Rampage in some time. And this was their best 18 to 49 audience since November 10th, uh, even though viewership was down slightly from the week before. And uh, that did air, both Rampage and Collision aired in Canada, although I wonder how many people were aware of that, or th this just shows you what one-off AEW shows on TSN are going to do. They did 28,000 viewers and 4,000 in the demo on TSN2 on Friday night. So like just throwing Rampage or Collision on because they're in Canada, mm -hmm. it's going to mean virtually nothing for yeah. the Canadian audience that if you're watching Rampage in Canada, you're going about it however you are to watch it. And I don't think you're going to break that pattern just for one week out of, or two weeks out of the year that they put it up. And the final notes for Tuesday's NXT coming out of deadline, Eddie Thorpe is going to take on Dijak, Metaphors, Noam Dar, Oral Mensa, and Lash Legend take on Josh Briggs, Brooks, Jensen, and Fallon Henley. Hank Walker and Tank Ledger against Gallus and the men's breakout tournament begins. And then we go to Winter is Coming on Wednesday that has the big John Moxley, Swerve Strickland match, both with nine points in the tournament. Jay White against Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal against Roosh, Hangman Page takes on Roderick Strong, Riho against Ruby Soho, Samoa Joe and the Golden Jets will speak in separate segments, and the Von Erichs, Kevin, Ross, and Marshall Von Erich will be appearing on the show, and we will see what they do. That could be like the most, they, they might get the biggest reaction in Arlington on Wednesday night. There's the possibility of it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Something with MJF or Christian? I certainly can see somebody taking the claw like that would seem to make sense. And like the idea of me and Andrew were throwing around was ha do an angle on dynamite to set up Marsh and Ross or Marshall and Ross wrestling on rampage and just have them come out later in the night and do the tag match for rampage, make hmm. something different. And we'll see like how much uh, iron claw promotion is kind of invested in into this uh, with the Von Erics. So there you go. All your news can be found at postwrestling.com and you can jump on board postwrestlingcafe.com. We have got Rewind Away coming up this Thursday, a very in-depth look at The Ultimate Fighter Season 1. We are reviewing the first three episodes of the series as well as the finale fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. So if you want to get into the time machine and go back to the days of Chris Lieben, Bobby Southworth, and Strange Brew, Jason Thacker. <laughs> We have got the show for you this Thursday. And uh, let me just tell you the notes I have on this show. Buckle up, folks. It's going to be quite the, the deep dive. 
I mean, really, I, I think a show that is completely, completely integral to the success of MMA. Um, and specifically, I think the conversion of a lot of wrestling fans like myself into MMA fans at the time. So we have some of the stats of the audience they retained from Raw, and it's it's staggering. Like mm-hmm. the, the the idea that this would have worked on any other night of the week, it could have been a whole different um fate for the mm-hmm. ufc if they did not get and the original idea was that it was being batted around for a saturday night slot and then they moved it to monday after raw like that is what the raw audience f- was able to propel ultimate fighter to what it was and mm-hmm. if that is a season that is one and done and they don't renew it it just does ho-hum numbers who knows where the ufc goes like that was so pivotal to mm-hmm. to their that was their launching point and you knew it right away because the show started in mid-january and several weeks in they had a pay-per-view with tito ortiz and vitor belfort and just with that number that they did on that pay-per-view you could see that they were creating a fan base and then it really the effect was seen at the end of the season when randy and chuck fought in their in their second fight right after the finale so we'll be going deep into that on thursday on rewind away but now it is time to go to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, where that's where I would want my mortgage taken care of. The Rocket Mortgage option. I, I'm, I'm sure they're very competitive. Very much so. Here in Cleveland, Ohio, WrestleTits reporting 9,437 tickets distributed. And we are starting off with Jay Uso. And boy, did he have a week. He notes that he got Yeet back. This is after some, uh, some concerns about the... Uh, uh, the, the trademark here, but it looks like Yeet is back and he's got a big giant shirt to uh, celebrate his, his Yeetness. I missed all this. So who Who is claiming the Yeet trademark? Well, okay. there was, there was like some blurring of like the, the, the wording and yeah, there had been some ba- back and forth that I, I would have to look into deeper about the specifics, but it looks like whatever it was, was rectified here for his. Uh, so now does he own Yeet? I don't know if he owns Yeet, but at the very, very least, they they have licensed Yeet it. or have outright controlled Yeet, which, let's mm-hmm. be honest, the company uh, probably has the rights to and not not uh, one Jay Uso mm-hmm. himself. But right. He's excited. CM Punk is here tonight. Wishes Sami Zayn well, who they explained on the show has a partially torn meniscus, and we don't know when he will be back coming out of the angle last week. So it looks like it will be uh, some time before we see Sami Zayn again. He blames Drew for the attack on Zayn, and Drew comes out, gets a lot of booze, and says that CM Punk is here to destroy this place from the inside and hopes that Adam Pierce just lets him go to SmackDown because I actually know the guy and says that Zayn ran his mouth. He learned his lesson after talking about my family. And then he calls out this fan in the front row, Austin, and just calls him a coward. So Jay and... I mean, the idea was that um, he did a survey and asked how many of you guys in our in my position wouldn't do the same thing basically and austin, austin was somebody he do did raise his hand so he singled austin out and um basically said a coward on national this, television this guy doesn't care about his family you know which was lovely maybe this guy's gonna sue him defamation um well in wrestling you can get away with a lot i think jay Uso takes on drew mcintyre so the whole crowd they're just yelling yeet for every single bit of offense that jay has 
And Drew tried for the Claymore, spilled onto the desk, and Jay lands a dive. And then during the break is when Jay gets catapulted from underneath the ring, sending his throat into the bar. And Drew does his deadlift from the Tree of Woe, throwing him off the top. Jay misses a hip attack. And then when Drew goes for another Claymore, it stopped with a super kick. And as Jay tries for the Uso splash, lands on the knees, future shock DDT. And unlike their um, advantage match, this time Jay kicks out of the future shock. And Drew removes the turnbuckle pad. Jay lands a spear for a two count. And as the referee goes to take up the pr- turnbuckle pad, the back is turned and I, and Drew gouges him in the eye, hits the Claymore, and wins in 17 minutes and 12 seconds. I thought this was significantly better than their match a few weeks ago that I, I found to be quite pedestrian um this they they worked in a lot of the near falls they played off the last match um but a 17 minute match to kick off raw mm, i thought it was a good tv match you know drew's continued sort of collapse into like him losing his mind uh, was well showcased in his heel actions in the match and i thought uh, his facial expressions were really good as well uh i crowd was really engaged throughout i thought his promo work before this was fantastic you know um i think he just continues to be really entertaining in, in justifying his own logic for his actions. Doing the survey thing, you know, to put the crowd into like a sort of a gotcha moment was really unique and fun. And um, also showed you like why any sort of like informal poll of a crowd is is kind of bullshit. Uh, but it was him singling out that Austin dude that I think did an even better job of just, you know, basically kind of like um, spelling out contemporary tribalism um, in, in being able to say, oh, you didn't vote for my team. Well, that means you must hate this person. You must not care about this. and You must not care about this. It was wonderful heel work, I thought, from Drew. I think that the babyface turn should be when they sit down Drew on the award-winning WWE Network and he watches Clash at the Castle. <laughs> I thought and, Cole was going there. You know, Cole said like on commentary. Why is he mad? Yeah, he was kind of get dancing around it, but wouldn't actually saying come. like, yeah, Jay actually, actually like you know doesn't have much of a reason to um, uh, apologize to Drew. And I thought I thought Cole was going to bring up the fact that Drew, Jay wasn't even there. Yeah, um, and Wade, I think knew what. I, I think they know this. So now they're making it more that the bloodline made his life miserable for months uh, before clash at the castle. Yeah. So then why he's, why is he not, uh, does he, does he not hold the same grudge against Sammy or solo Sokoa, for instance? Uh, I guess he's on the no, other he's, show. He's always he uh, grudges die show. on different brands as well. Right. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, he did attack Sammy, I suppose, but, but not for the, that reason. Yeah, he was he was okay with Sammy up until you know he said he he the two of us are just whatever. Okay. Let's let's not get the facts. Let the facts get in the way of a great story. Then it was uh, the highlight of WWE programming every week. It was the next Shinsuke Nakamura video. He says, "I have watched you week after week, time after time, talk about finishing your story. Yet you are no closer. You are a dog chasing a car. As great as you are, you are not enough, and never will be. You say you don't respect me. That is your weakness." You strive for the admiration of others. I freed myself from that burden long ago. I draw my own destiny. I paint my own story. And we're getting all these gra- these graphics of Nakamura and Cody. I like, mean, like a manga style. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, Fantastic. What, what kind of work went into this? Oh, a lot. I mean, he did a similar video with um, Seth Rollins, but I thought it was utilized way better here and, and um, just really kind of takes that production to a new level. Nakamura has been reborn, thanks to you, Cody. But now I will bring your story to an end. I am the real nightmare. Always remember, you asked for this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nakamura yeah. might get my vote for Pro Bowl of the year. year. Yeah, he might be best. <laughs> best Whoever the subtitler is, I mean, um, I mean the story. I want, the whole, I want to know the whole story behind these Nakamura videos. The story is being like told very well, and yeah, these lines are being scripted really well. I mean, I I wonder if they're coming across as well in Japanese as they are in subtitle here because they come across really well in subtitled English. But in, in Japanese, I'm sure they're just as good. And of course, so much of it depends. Imagine on- all these years they were subtitling him in English for the Japanese crowd and they were just enamored with all this WWE speak and um, <laughs> yeah. like his, his promos over the last six years. Very possible. Very possible. But I mean, it, it takes sort of the charisma of the guy delivering the words in the way that he does um, in order to make all this work too. You know, there have been, of course, like further discussions about you know how how Kazuchika Okada would be would fare in a WWE, and there are you can't really use Shinsuke Nakamura as a comparison point because he has an exceptional, unique charisma about the way he speaks. Whether I mean specifically when he speaks Japanese, you know that 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 makes him a, a, a totally different from from most people. So um, this was so cool. This is like ramped up versions of the new Japan on access shows where they would introduce the match with sit downs with the key people. And they would give like this three minute backstory. And it added so much context to why this match was important. And again, it's just relying on subtitles. And I thought it was a great addition that they had for those access shows during like the early years of them. Mm-hmm. Judgment days in the clubhouse. Spallers upset with JD and Dom for losing last week when him and Rhea were gone and in walks our truth and priest tells Balor or first they're talking about the creeds, not taking them lightly. And that's when Rhea starts arguing, saying that you're the leader, but it's not as easy uh, saying you're the leader as it is being the leader. And Rhea, Ripley gets all upset here and says, she's making a, an example out of Maxine Dupree tonight. And uh, this was pre our truth. We would get our truth with judgment day later, but mm-hmm. uh, problems among the judgment day and more to come. Good energy, I thought, here between Priest and Rhea, like actually kind of ramping up the sort of tension and and the um, uh, raising of the voices here. So they're escalating this between the two. And I think both are making very believable cases as being presented as leaders of this group. Rhea, especially, I thought was wonderful here. You know, she really does feel like somebody who could be a leader, who is the leader, I think, in most people's eyes. Alpha Academy are with the Creeds and Ivy Nile, and they're all pumping up Maxine for her match with Rhea Ripley. And then R-Truth walks in with a set of Christmas lights for the clubhouse, and Gable explains that the Judgment Day are dangerous, and I don't think that they believe you are part of the group. Um, But he says they're just misunderstood and wishes everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. You just, you kind of feel bad already for this guy who, you know, who, who just really wants to be a part of this friend group. Just wants to be, have a connection with someone. And then we go to Rhea Ripley against Maxine Dupree in a non-title match. And this was a disaster. Maxine starts off slapping Rhea. And Rhea grabs her by the wrist and hits a series of short arm clotheslines. And then lifts up Maxine for a power bomb. And this, Maxine's just not going up. And Rhea has to like put her down. And then lifts her up again because this is to set up a Rana counter by Maxine, which I mean, they made by, they barely uh, connected with this as Rhea just stumbles into the corner and this is already a mess. 
Rhea tries to drop her with a boot and then struggles to get her up for the riptide, nails Maxine, and then she's yelling at Maxine. If Do you think this is funny, you stupid little girl? And applies the prism trap and wins this match in two minutes and six seconds. Um, I, I just thought this was uh, this was just really, really rough. Like, this might have been the worst match on Raw this year. I, I think it, it's kind of in contention because how many, like truly bad matches can we really point to these days on you know one of the big national tv shows it's it's rare and it's rare for maxine who i think by this point we kind of have a bit you know sort of higher expectations for they did say like yes this is her sixth this match was, this was her second singles match and first one since july yeah. she's sure. had what did they mention six matches total like yeah. it's this should not be stunning i think we have kind of um but yeah she's certainly in her spots like I've seen a, a whole lot in her for given this lack of experience, but this was a, this was just a bad night. Considering, I think how well her appearances have uh, been up until this point, I, I I don't think it's you know wrong to have higher expectations than what we had you know what uh, were, were presented with in this match. I mean, I I don't know what went went wrong, um, but you know one of these people is in their sixth match, the other person is Rhea Ripley, so I suppose logic would tell you that the the person in their sixth match probably was to blame. Um, she's best maybe hidden in these multi-woman tag matches. I, I understood the point of making a match like this. They wanted to basically build to Ivy Nile versus Rhea Ripley, and um, that's fine. But even this, unfortunately, was finally a test that Maxine wasn't able to pass. What I don't understand is that, okay, you're not always – like in NXT, sometimes you know you'll have – like some match coming up and you have the opportunity, you can work through the match, you can practice the match, you have advanced notice. You're not going to have that luxury always on the main roster. It's maybe a little better now that you are typically getting, like this was announced at least several days in advance. But to me, there's no excuse that Maxine Dupree is, there's all these house shows and she doesn't wrestle on any of these house shows. Like if Mm. these two had been working for the last three weeks, on house shows like just get a few matches in there and then you get to tv okay well we know how each other's body works in concert with one another we have we're going out for a two-minute match we've done eight on the house shows like this is not going to be second nature for someone as limited as maxine but it's just adding another hurdle for someone that is so like we're judging someone who's literally having her sixth pro wrestling match Mm -hmm. and i just don't know why you don't utilize these house shows a bit more because Maxine Dupree is someone that could greatly benefit from, from from that kind of experience that you're not going to get inside of a performance center without fans. Maybe they consider her a special attraction, you know, TV only she's not working the house show circuit. You can't give that away. Yeah. Can't get, can't give this stuff away. Got to tune in for it. Nile uh, Ivy Nile then steps up to Rhea Ripley and she holds up the belt. So that looks to be um, the next one for uh, Rhea Ripley with Ivy Nile. Mm-hmm. We will see how that one fares. Mm-hmm. And then way it's time for Katana chance and Caden Carter to go back to a rave. Yeah. Um, was this, this new or did they just rip this from the last time that they, I, these I tried videos? to go back actually to look at their, their NXT video and, or at least like uh, they, they did one there. They, they had one when they re-debuted from the, to the uh, main roster and this looked different, <laughs> but you could have fooled it's, me. It's I mean, like exactly like beat for beat the same, except it looks yeah. like they sent them out to do this again. That was yeah. the exact same as before. Yeah. Well, they really could have just played, replayed the same thing. And um I guess that at this point it's still uh, the the character. Um, we we go to 
uh, parties <laughs> and we We're free spirits and we <laughs> when we chase our dreams no matter what and their dream mm. is to win the tag belt so you know what that means we're gonna win yeah. them because yeah. our dreams don't get in the way hey, listen this is a huge improvement the, you know compared to i don't know stepping into like a random scene backstage for a few seconds and saying one or two words you know they they need some some personality piece more than i think you know even um, a lot of in-ring time right now you know the, the audience just needs to be able to find any sort of identifi- identifiable sort of trait about them and at this point the character is we go to um raves imagine these two pitching these characters to vince um what's a rave as <laughs> you imagine vince at a rave um no, no, I, I, hmm. I would not. Adam Pierce is in the ring with his raw contract, mentions knowing CM Punk for 25 years and brings out Punk and says that this building has not been kind to him. There's a lot of ghosts here. Noted that he debuted in WWE in this arena, teaming with Mickey James. This was on a Sunday Night Heat. And then after that, got sent to OVW. That's where he learned to be uncomfortable and love it. Returned here as a world champion in 2008 but was punted by Randy Orton, woke up and found out he had been stripped of the title. Do you remember this? I don't think I was watching at the time. It was a scramble match, and they killed Punk before the match and just took him out of it. He he didn't even get to lose the match before the title was taken from him. Was there some sort of backstage reason that they did that? They just thought it'd be better to take him out of the match, and they, I think, inserted, they put like someone else in. Yeah, Yeah. and that, that was the deal. And then this being the building where he walked out of the company almost 10 years ago, but I'm not focused on the past. I had to get off the hamster wheel and I don't regret it. And he has though thought about people that had paid to see him that night. And it's like, really do you guy wasn't advertised for anything that night. So was this any different than last Monday when he wasn't on raw and people, had paid all that money in right. Albany to go go watch Punk with the idea he would be there, even though he wasn't advertised. And then Punk mentions that Indy, Indy Hartwell mentioned to him in the back that when she was a child, she felt betrayed by this. I was like, how old was Indy Hartwell? She was like, she's 27 now. So you're telling me when she was 17 years old that she was so affected by Punk not working here anymore? like what what were your problems at 17 that like this would have been something life-altering well you don't know you don't know how how much you know um somebody's um existence hinges on watching cm punk on uh, tv um in australia i i couldn't imagine at the age of 17 being like (laughs) fucking guy left what the hell man listen People love this guy, okay? You, you see the amount of people that argue for this man, against this man, you know, all sorts of opinions about this man. Come on. They should have been happy then that he left. Um, but Punk, Punk understands because he had the same feeling seeing Roddy Piper in WCW. 
It's like that that required some explanation. Why? Because he went to another company. What was his problem with Piper going to WCW? So I, I thought he was referencing like a, a specific time where Piper might have taken his ball and went home. Um, and and what like I I didn't know the case in specific, but was there one? He came in and no, and he was and he had like a long run there. Like he came in in '96. He did the Starcade match with Hogan, and then he's there for '97. He's there. He's there through till the end of '99 or so. Right. And his so, departure from the WWE. Well, I, like... I took it as, you know, he he didn't explain this. My idea was like he was a big Piper fan. So I guess seeing him in WCW felt like he abandoned WWF or something. That's what uh, I okay. think. To me, so that know. was in reference to him going to AEW or just simply leaving? What Come you... on. I, I I have no idea. Um, between <laughs> this and Indy Hartwell, I'm like, dude, like this. You're cramming a lot in here. Don't let I, the facts get in the way of a great story, John. All right. Punk says that of the offers he got, so he's tabling offers from Nick Aldis, Shawn Michaels, and Adam Pierce. But he says, Adam Pierce has offered me the most of the three. And my mind was already made up when I saw that Cleveland was on the calendar. So, man, did he just play these guys over the weekend? He knew. He knew already when he got his itinerary. Oh, Cleveland, I'm going to Raw. But I'll I'll, I'll give some lip service to Nick Aldis and Shawn Michaels. He just wanted the selfie with Shawn, I think. I guess so. And he says he's here to bury those ghosts. His future starts now, and it's almost 10 years to the day. And walks back in, and he joins Raw. And he says that CM Punk is home. And he signs the contract. And then, uh, first of all, the Punk portion. I thought it was really good. Like, And and by this point, I I mean, I think a weekend, you've seen him already three times doing this. There aren't really the expectations of there being any sort of like pipe bomb or like taboo sort of phrasing of anything. The most you got was the line on on Friday, which I thought was well done. Um, At this point, I'm simply expecting him to be a good WWE superstar. And he has all the traits of a great WWE superstar. Good delivery, connection to the crowd. I think. A, a smile knows how to look, look at the heart. Dude, it's, it's a smile off like, between him and Cody Rhodes when they come out. I like just watch these two. Like, well, the man is genuinely happy. It seems you know he 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 he's um uh, he's being cheered again and uh you know be, be beloved. He's selling T-shirts. So, um, I thought it was like a good performance. Seth Rollins' music hits, and he comes out, and he gets into the ring, and they go face to face. And I am not kidding because. I sat here. What? How many camera cuts do you think were done here during this face to face? Um, probably more than necessary. But I mean, how many? You actually counted thirty camera cuts as they stared at one another. Thirty. Well, well, you got to capture the moment from all angles. Right? You know what? I think some of the most intense face to faces are just like. The camera's on these two, and it's a, like drawn. I I think we could like could we get by with fifteen camera cuts? I, I think we'd be okay with that. I, I mean, they I'm have not 30... going to get like oh god, do something. I'm going to flip the channel. <laughs> well, they probably have thirty cameras there, and you got to make sure everyone is used. I mean, I, I I can also understand it, especially when you're in like a, a live TV production setting. There's so much energy you're just trying to capture from this audience, and um instinctively i think that means you want to just you know show everything like every photo is special and and it's like you're trying to create a slideshow well let's just put every photo in there you know so 
it might be a bit much to be honest john like it's one of those things where for me if i'm not paying attention to it i don't notice i only counted them because it was jarring for me watching them i'm just watching like cut 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 but then we start the promo and rollins welcomes him to monday night rollins and that punk is fortunate to be in this ring but don't you dare call this your home. You abandoned this place 10 years ago and actively tried to tear it down, slandering me and every person in the locker room. And now you walk back in and call it home. It's my home, not yours. And all of the people in the back and around here, this is my family. And I will do everything in my power to protect it from people like you. And let me make this perfectly clear. I hate you. But, If you're going to be back in WWE, I want you on Raw. The truth always comes out, and this is your last chance. Either you expose yourself and self-destruct like you always do, and I'll be the first one to shut the door on your legacy, or by some miracle, you have changed. And if you have any gas left in that tank of yours, one day you might be lucky enough to face me for the World Heavyweight title, and then I can expose you for the fraud that you are and show you that there are levels to this. I will wrestle circles around you and show you in real time what it means to be the best in the world. Had this guy ended this with a ha ha, I would have just destroyed my laptop. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance by Mm -hmm. Seth Rollins. And by the end of this, I thought these two were great in this segment. The face off. I mean, give me another dozen camera cuts if you have to. But um, I, I thought this was like a giant, giant segment that you totally want to see this match. It, it it certainly felt like a WrestleMania caliber promo segment for what I, at this point, I, I'm not sure if it, if it's going to be the, the WrestleMania match. We know Punk is going to be in the Rumble. Will they be? Well, I mean, how yeah. can it not be? It is a Mania match at this point. You're right. Yeah, because um, that's sort of the whole thing, right? Punk, I, I don't think we'll have any sort of match beforehand. So um, we're expecting it for WrestleMania. It certainly feels WrestleMania worthy. And it took a promo like this to, I think, really... Um, just just un- underline that that fact i thought rollins you know for what i said earlier about cm punk being a very good wwe superstar uh pre-pipe bomb i think you know he was a great wwe superstar who simply came out there and delivered great sort of story and delivery for the promos that he was scripted to say or helped script to say whatever i thought rollins um actually brought some truth and auth- authenticity to a CM Punk segment, you know, for the first time in at least the few appearances that we saw Punk for the entire first week, it really felt like there was so much in Punk's um, appearances that wasn't being said. You know, a lot of the reality of the situation that brought him here wasn't really mentioned, maybe only slightly referenced. But Rollins just kind of came out and laid it pretty bare. He called CM Punk a hypocrite who tried to slander this company for the past 10 years, and now he's claiming that it's his home. And he's only doing that because this is his last chance because he's burned every bridge he's possibly had. And I think I almost wonder if like punk's constant sort of referencing of I'm home last week, um, you know, it's part of it, him, a uh, part of him, like maybe bringing it up again this week might just be to double down, down on it to just kind of like, um, I don't know, mock the critics, but it could also be done to serve this exact retort from Rollins. And if that was the case, then it was absolutely worthwhile because I thought Rollins cut one of the best promos I've ever heard from him. He seems motivated to a level that um, I I mean, I don't think we've ever seen before, you know, and then that's probably because there's a lot of reality in his words. He's a very believable 
defender of this company as the guy who's the champion as the guy who's on tv every single week um having these like main event level matches consistently and i I thought it was intentional that he referenced it felt very much like a reference to hangman's workers rights promo in some of these lines talking about defending the company my company from you uh and if that was i have to think it was intentional and if it was i thought it was a brilliant sort of stroke of genius to be able to take what was a very good promo from page but at this point it's become it's infamous to be able to take those lines and to adopt it to this story where you are actually trying to defend your you know promotion from this invader um I thought it was brilliant and worked really well in a kayfabe sense. Nobody was like you doing work shoot here. You know you're going to see this match at the end, so there's going to be a payoff. Everything is still very controlled, and everything worked um, really, 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 really strong. Yeah, and Punk comes back and states, "That's my that's your one pass to speak disrespectfully without me coming at you." So this was actually addressing one of those criticisms of when the heel or babyface in the in whichever way you want to take Rollins is doing the long speech and insult and the guys just got to stand there and and take it all so he actually referenced this he says I never asked for anything to be handed to me and he announces he is entering the Royal Rumble he's going to win and then maybe I'm coming for you so pretty much the Rumble it's Cody versus Punk in the Rumble mm-hmm. and you'll have other contenders in there as well but I think you've set it up as here are two people that you can go either way with that. I think everyone expects to be in the two matches at WrestleMania for the respective titles. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like who are our, our other options? Like who are, who are the real believable candidates? I mean, you, you'll have like your next level of guys, like your Drews and Gunther's and Jey Uso's and probably like, Oh, and Zane, but you have the clear favorites in, in the match. Clear favorites are going to be punk and Cody, uh, and I suppose Dwayne is always an X factor, you know, if that's something that, that they're doing. But this was great, um, especially down to like punks, I think, you know, same demeanor that he had um, with the workers rights promo, actually, you know, looking at Seth Rollins here with that same sort of are you finished type of look. Just great and very believable grudge between the two. Do you, do you think they put punk in, in a match before the Rumble? Um. Would you hold gonna, off on th- that long until having a match with him? I think for TV, you could get away with it. Sure. Like, I is would. it that precious to have a, like a, a first match with CM Punk? You know, I'd, I'd be curious if they're going to add him to any of those post Christmas house shows. Um, like, I would think this guy just wants to have some matches before, yeah. you know, not, not that the rumble is going to be the most intensive match that, that you're going to be doing, but still just to get, get in there. And mm-hmm. the Monday before the rumble is their first Monday where there's, no Monday night football, no NFL, no college football championship. It's a free Monday where you naturally get that kind of boost of your football audience that comes back and you promote Punk's first match in WWE in a decade on the Raw going into Rumble. Mm-hmm. Put him on. It it doesn't have to be a massive opponent, but, you know, go out there and it could be a big deal that you promoted as the first match in, in 10 years. Give him a solid win before the Rumble match. Just make sure he stays perfectly help, healthy and he doesn't do any stage dives. Well, yes, you'll you you will have your restrictions. Ivar and Valhalla have a video addressing Bronson Reed as the sacrificial lamb. Uh, this is coming off their double countout, so they're going to have a rematch tonight. Where Bronson says tonight will be his Viking funeral. 
So Bronson and Ivar, they go eight minutes here, double clothesline spot, and they roll to the floor and then run at each other with a double cross body, go through the commercial break. Ivar climbs up for the somersault and dives to Reed on the floor. Reed then stops a moonsault attempt by Ivar, and then it's Reed hitting the superplex and pinning Ivar in seven minutes and 55 seconds. It's a fun big man match. You know, I'm a little surprised that they gave us the clean finish here. I thought they would build this up to a, more of a gimmick match, but um, maybe they still are, you know, and, and uh, I don't know, a loss here. We've seen them you know, repeat feuds um, on Raw for TV time, but yeah, like for two big men, I think they have really good chemistry with each other. Punk ran into the Judgment Day asking where Rhea is, and Priest tells him this is our show and hopes he finishes the story around here because I'll be waiting. And he holds up the briefcase that we've all forgotten about, but is still lingering. Also a reunion here with Dominic, who he tormented 13 years ago as a child. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, uh, well, once, once Aaliyah comes back, I mean, I'm sure she's still emotionally scarred from the birthday party. Mm. That could be his first match, you know, Dom versus Aaliyah? Punk. Okay. Uh, Dominic would be a great opponent. Dominic yeah. would be a great opponent if you were going to do like a TV match with, with, with Punk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And give me like a week, like one week at least to build it up with like an in-ring segment. Sing happy birthday. Judgment Day come out and they're putting everyone on notice except our truth He comes out with the Christmas lights and he's invited into the ring thinking this is a holiday party. But Priest says how everybody loves you um, except me and just destroys our truth And then out come uh, the creeds to save our truth And this featured Julius hitting a double Northern light. This guy, his best friend should be JD and Dominic who just fly around for this guy's suplexes. Then they double team priest. They clear the ring. And uh, Dom says, I warned you guys about the creeds and they were not in a match tonight. They didn't say they didn't do any promos, but this was a very strong positioning of the creeds on tonight's show. Yeah. Yeah. They um, clearly like, you know, they're, they're making them a priority by putting them, uh, giving them a lot of screen time, attaching them to, Cody, well, like, what's your association with Cody? What's the relationship with Cody? The Creeds? We've yeah. never had any ex- explanation right. of how they know each other. Okay. Well, anyway, they're pairing him. Like, hey, you're a baby face, and we're trying to get over as baby faces, so we like yeah. you. Yeah, pretty much. But they're they're doing everything they can to make them feel like a big important thing without having them do that much talking backstage because that's clearly still their you know weak weak point. Punk walks up to Drew McIntyre and Adam Pierce, and Drew says, I don't care about you or Cody's story. I'm I'm so ready for now. We've got multiple stories to finish, and it's just everyone's story. Yeah. And he's concerned about finishing his story as Adam Pierce announces that on January 1st, the first Raw of the year in San Diego, it will be Rollins and Drew McIntyre in a rematch for the world title. So are we all just trying to finish our own stories in life? I guess so. There's a lot of stories going on. Yeah, I hope literally that when Cody wins this title, that he literally comes out and they've got like a book and he just like it's like your marriage certificate, but you just mm-hmm. he signs it and it's like the story is over. Oh, whatever the bio- biography comes out, I'm sure the, the period ends with him winning the championship. You no, know, he's going to win this thing. And the first promo the next night is going to be. My story is just beginning. <laughs> yeah. Chapter two. The afterword. Yeah. Yeah. So in comes a uh, longtime pal, Kofi Kingston with Chad Gable and Ricochet. And Punk throws out a Mike Adamley, Jamaican me crazy, to which Kofi says, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. Thanks for watching. And 
he uh, Punk says, I've heard lots of great things about you and tells Ricochet, I hear you're awful at video games. And the three are brought into Adam Pierce's office. And uh, and we never got an update on this, but they're doing something. What's the video game reference to Ricochet? You know, I don't know. Probably some some joke that I'm, oh. I, I cannot keep up with the video game uh, trials and tribulations. And what do you think these three are up to? I guess the, probably entering the Rumble, you would think Kofi, of course, you know, Rumble spot. Um, the other Kofi's two, he's got some of the Rumble eliminations to, um, uh, you know, he's had he's had some some rough goals the last like year or two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's his uh, story. Yeah. Get his Rumble spot in this this year. Got to finish his story. Katana Chance and Caden Carter took on Candice LeRae and uh, Indy Hartwell with Chelsea Green and Piper Niven on commentary. Chance and Carter did their own version of Silly String, and uh, Tegan and Natalia are watching in the back, and uh, they double-team Carter with a swinging neckbreaker, and then they hit the after party onto Candice LeRae for the win in 2 minutes and 27 seconds. Just a quick... Yeah, uh, as they... uh, The after party. I like it. I like it. It's It's a good name. Fits with the theme. Um, pre-drink, you know, could be a move they do. Um, as well, a hangover, a hangover, lovely, perfect. Write it down. Uh, anyway, um, they're really trying to make a push for them right now as uh, an actual team that you might remember. They're giving oh, they're, they're getting one. title shots after this match. Yeah, they announced yeah. for next week. This this was their number one contenders match, beating the uh, the unbeatable Candice Lorraine Indy. Well, you got that. I, I mean, and you know that they like to go to raves. What more do you need for challengers? Yeah, it's a good thing Rod's on a Monday night. They could have had a conflict. True. Well, there are raves on Monday, I'm sure. In Cleveland. Dude, we've been to Cleveland. There's nothing going on <laughs> yeah. after 9 p.m. True. DIYs in the back. Gargano's got his Cleveland Browns belt on. They establish it's his hometown. And Chomp asks, can we trust this guy as our mystery partner? And Imperium come in and want to know who it is. They joke about, well, you should be worried about disappointing Gunther. And Gunther comes in and says, I doubt you can even find someone to associate with two weirdos like you in public. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cole says, who will team with DYI? Do yourself it. <laughs> that will forever be their name from this point forward on this show. DYI. I can't even mess up. English is tough. Okay. It is. Becky's walking to the ring. Nikki Cross is in the background. So it's just, I'm not even paying attention to Nikki Cross at this point. I think she's just like an ornament. She just it's, is in the back. This isn't leading anywhere. It's just, that's her thing. Mm-hmm. She travels all around the country for it. Oh, it's a long-term build. Okay. So at some very point, long-term build five years from now, we'll, we'll be able to look back at every Nikki Cross appearance and be able to draw some sort of narrative thread. Yes. Someone will write like a 5,000 think piece on, yeah. The, the construction of the Nikki Cross character, how we're all real lurkers in the background. And this is uh, bringing to light a whole mm-hmm. part of society. Becky comes out. She's here to call out Nia Jax and they replay the punch, the vicious punch from November of 2018 that broke her nose. And Jax, she says, is so unlikable that even her two knees wouldn't stand up for her when she needed double surgery. <laughs> and that was a pretty great line. Fantastic. And said, I went off. I had a child. She got fired. But now we're finally both here together. So Naya comes out, says, I'm not fired anymore. And says that I'm right here and better than ever. And says that the punch was a lucky swing that nearly ended her career. So she basically explains that this was a total fluke. But imagine if I was actually trying to punch you. Mm -hmm. And Becky calls her the most dangerous person in the ring that has injured so many different people. And Naya says, well, that's why people have been talking about me nonstop for two years. And 
Becky gives a big speech about how she did not get famous because of a punch. She got famous because the man is a character that gets knocked down, but brushes herself off and gets back up. And it's not Naya that made her. She made herself. And she said that if she has to be able to end that lie, then she has to end Naya. Naya says, Becky, you need me more than I need you. And that her career, Becky needs to prove that her career wasn't an accident after she broke her face. I'm the woman that made the man. And Becky challenges her to fight, but Naya walks out on her, stating, you need this more than me. And we're doing the old, uh, we'll do this on my time, which I feel is quite the trope that we're getting into in uh, in this company. We'll do it when I feel like it. So maybe this will be uh, six weeks until Naya feels like it. It could be, sure. In this case, though, I feel like it's actually being quite well done. I I thought Becky had a hell of a promo tonight. Um, she was so fired up, and I never thought they'd be able to like make such a big story out of this nose break beyond Becky simply wanting revenge for having her nose broken. But that's not the story at all. Like Becky's not mad about having her nose broken. She's mad about Nia taking credit for her eventual success as a result of that image of the nose break. And in framing it this way, you're actually empowering Naya so much that she feels like somebody worth Becky, to, you know, that that's worth Becky's time to actually face. And so I think having Naya dangle that carrot from Becky, it only sort of like builds the heat of, of this moment. And, and this is like, I would say, among the most fired up I've seen Becky in quite some time compared to a lot of her other opponents lately. She's had no real personal grudge against uh, Trish or I don't know, really anybody else she's she's faced recently. But against Naya in this story that they're trying to tell of her wanting to basically claim ownership for her own success. um, It's actually like pretty powerful. And, and I think it's making Becky feel like a really really good under underdog baby face in a way um so they've successfully given naya something best becky desperately wants that might even be more important than a championship at this point yeah i'm interested how far they they ride this one out if this is just the idea of let's do this match give becky her win or do they try to extend it in the sense that you could have like naya beats her and then they have to go into the Rumble together because you would assume both are in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Becky can win the Rumble, but she's still got this loss, this big doubt hanging on her. That's your February pay-per-view and she can put up the Rumble shot or the WrestleMania shot and then gets the big win when it means more over Nia. And that yeah. keeps her busy from that period of Rumble to Mania. So that sort of booking would completely um, send the internet into a riot. But I personally like it. I think there's enough life in this story for for them to build to a bigger moment of Becky finally reclaiming that victory off of Naya. I would even maybe suggest Naya breaking her nose again, you know, or at least like some worked version of it. On purpose? Sure. Be like Floyd and Big Show. Yeah, I don't – yeah. I mean it's hard to do really kind of worked, you know, uh, nose injuries. But I I think there's a lot more story to be told is all I'm saying. Yeah, I I think you can get more out of this and it just – it seems like a long time to hold off on this. That I, I see this happening on TV before the Rumble. Yeah. And- but the matches have to be of a higher standard than I think what Nia has been showing. Like, she's been fine, but, like, they, she needs to be better if you want to drag this out, you know, any longer. Well, that's, that's the concern is, like, can, can you keep this engaging for yeah. that amount of time if we're talking, like, a mid-February blow-off to, to this? Jackie Redman interviews Cody Rhodes and he reacts to punk signing. Um, he's happy for the fans. I'm happy for USA. 
so glad that the baby face has the concerns of the broadcaster at stake. I'm sure you mentioned, you know, our AAV is going to get a nice, a nice, uh, upward trajectory as we are currently in negotiations and certainly not diluting any margins with this signing. And he is a former EVP, like of any wrestler, he'd be the most likely to speak like that. Yeah. I mean, one thing they've got is that these two, two super over baby faces and Cody and punk could not be different in mm-hmm. terms of their perception by the audience. Yeah. Uh, but just sends it, throws it out. You can't finish two stories at once. So that's interesting. And both of us are aware of that. So he said, he'd well, be a lot th- more- you actually can um, with two nights of WrestleMania. <laughs> Jackie Redmond did not have a follow up here to a very <laughs> logical. You can. Yeah. Um, said he would be a lot more excited for this match with Nakamura. If he wasn't missed it in the face, Nakamura is vicious mentions, uh, you know, he, he had quite a big career before WWE and says even Stardust debuted here in Cleveland. Like everything. Wow, is Cleveland. Cleveland just the center of the universe in pro wrestling here? It is. And uh, he's like, damn right, I asked for this. And he storms out. Imperium takes on DIY and their mystery partner from Cleveland himself, where everything comes from, The Miz, as they feverishly go through all of the history here with Miz and Ciampa to make sense of this one. And um, just ride, just go with the ride. I thought it was a good surprise, you know, obviously considering the location, but also just the, the joint history that both of them have with the Miz, who now happens to be a, a baby face. Like who would have expected when they all began, whatever they started with the Miz, you know, individually Chompa teaming with the Miz Gargano feuding with the Miz that you would end up in this scenario where they're in Cleveland and among the Miz is the most over baby face in the team. So Gunther boots Chomp on the floor to set up our commercial break. Gargano gets the tag. Crowd is into him. Hits a super kick to Kaiser. And then the tags are made to Gunther and Miz. And they really get into Miz here. But the best here, right as he's firing up with these left hands, he throws a punch and just totally misses Gunther. And I thought he was going to blow his shoulder out because he put everything. This was clearly a punch that was supposed to be uh, not missing. And so he just continues with the punches. It goes for a springboard and then the it kicks are delivered to Gunther and Gunther catches the last one, chops them and applies the Boston crab. Chompa breaks it up with a flying knee. And then we get Miz and Gargano with double tilt world DDTs and Miz applies the figure four onto Gunther. Kaiser tries to save, but is put in the Gargano escape and Gunther while in the figure four reaches over to tag Vinci who elbow drops Miz to break the submission, but Miz gets up, catches him with the skull-crushing finale, and pins him in 10 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, this is a really fun TV match, and I really like the ending of this. Um, Gunther should not have been tapping that figure four, so I thought the finish was great. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't see see that happening, but I thought the match like did really, really well. It, it killed in front of this crowd, especially for a 10.30 p.m. match. You know, Th- this crowd completely ate up this basically Cleveland sort of like, I don't know, tribute <laughs> match. Um, It was the perfect place to kind of like mm, peak these sort of like two storylines together in a way that I think just worked really well. You know, the Miz had his thing going on with Gunther. DLI had their thing going on with the rest of Imperium. And for these sort of um, stories to just intersect tonight was really perfect. I can't remember the last time they made the host city so much a part of the theme of the show, like from punk to this, like they injected. This was, this, this was not Albany. Okay. This is clearly an A level. Town. This is an A. This is an A County. Yeah. 
Next week, they're oh, what? What assign a letter grade for Des Moines, Iowa? Mm. B minus at best. Yeah. How do well, you even spell it? You know. Well, they're giving you two tag title matches with Balor and Priest against the Creeds, and Chelsea Green and Piper Niven against Katana Chance and Caden Carter. We will see how those turn out. Gunther is lecturing Imperium. When Miz confronts him, he wants his rematch for the title, and Gunther will grant him one more match. But if I beat you, which I will, you can never challenge for the IC title as long as I am champion. And Miz agrees. So there's another title match we're getting maybe on that January 1st show because next week is the last Raw of the year. Christmas Day will be a best of, and then Uh January 1st is the San Diego show. Okay. Yeah, could be. Main event, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cody Rhodes. They went through a bunch of commercial breaks here. We had uh, two breaks, and Cody eventually hits a dragon screw onto Nakamura and starts working on the knee, applying a half crab. After the second break, they're trading strikes. Cody does the power slam, and then Nakamura tries for a rear naked choke, but Cody gets to his feet, slams free, hits a disaster kick that gets a two count, then a Cody cutter, and then as he's going for the crossroads, it's blocked, and Nakamura hits him with the red mist causing a disqualification at 17 minutes and 53 seconds. And Cody, this was great. They actually had Cody swinging like he still wouldn't go down from the poison red mist, as Michael Cole identified it. And he's hit with a Kinshasa from behind. Nakamura gets a chair. When Julius and Brutus, the busiest guys on the show, run down to stop Nakamura, and Cody's just selling. He's blinded. Dare I ask, is he going to be able to see his daughter on Christmas, or is he blinded by this evil nakamura um always oh, still have like two weeks you know come on he recovered fine from the last one i i had honestly i had no problem doing this like screwy finish it mm-hmm. was like an 18 minute match that said i wish they didn't do the initial misting i thought that this would have been like reason enough we just saw him get the mist mm-hmm. it was fine he came back the week later he was fine I thought that this, like, you want to extend this. That's fine. I think we said last week, like, you could get more than one match out of this, and they obviously want to. They're killing time until the Rumble. Um, but I, I guess maybe this version of the Mist is uh, so much more. Didn't it? Wasn't it red last time, too? It was. It was red as well. It was red mist, I think. Yeah. yeah. So he's gotten the black mist from Malachi Black. He's got the red mist from Nakamura. So, like, what, am I to be that concerned about this guy? Like, he, he was fine last time. Okay, but, I mean, he's okay now. But it really, really stings, John. Okay, and and you, you listen. It's it. Why is he so? It's poison. It's poison. Poison, sure. Okay, but it doesn't mean he's permanently blind. It just, it just hurts. It just sucks. It's just really annoying. This was poison. I'm sorry. If I was Julius Creed, I'd be like, dude, I'm sorry, man. I like you, <laughs> but I'm not getting really quarantine the place in the hazmat suits. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was fine. Like it's a fun visual, you know, thing that they that Nakamura does now uh, with the mist. It came at a nice surprising point. And what's, team- what's the stipulation? You got to wear like a like a mask. Like a face mask match, they would never allow that yeah. right now, John. You know, you can't mandate face masks um, in, in 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 some of these places that they, that they're going to. Oh, they're going to California. Maybe they'd be a little more open there. Maybe I think uh, in Florida, this won't be. Into, they, they can't do this at the Rumble. How about a goggles match where they have oh. to wear like goggles? That that would make more sense. Randy Orton's goggles are handed down to Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Randy's goggles. I haven't thought about those in a long time. I Randy think about them every day. <laughs> Randy Orton's goggles. Like if you uh, want to go through the true, I don't give an F 
phase, it was this time during Randy Orton <laughs> where what you, you they told this guy, like, dude, you're going to be um, in a romantic relationship with a horse. And Randy Orton would have been like, okay. So what was this? What were these goggles so he could see like the the Wyatt? So or he could go into he could kill the lights oh, and go sorry. in and attack the legends, but he could see <laughs> with like his night vision goggles. Randy's goggles, yeah, yeah. I can't believe ask. they found that so quickly. <laughs> they didn't even sell these. He's got to ask his bud Randy for another favor. Can I borrow your goggles against Shinsuke <laughs> Nakamura? Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, they got to delay this. You know, there's they, they put way too much into those graphics to just extinguish this with, with one match. So, you know, they that's in our tip off. The amount they put in that video package, yeah. like that's yeah. not a raw main event package. They're getting a few weeks out of that one. So, and so these the, these two will probably work all the house shows too at the end of the month. So, so but, but what I don't completely understand is the uh, the association with the creeds. Obviously, they're going to be building to I don't know a, a trios match or something. Um, but they never teased any sort of relationship between the two be- beforehand. Uh, it's fine, but the creeds are involved with Judgment Day at the moment. Well, you're probably going to do the eight man at some point with our truth because they came to our truth aid. Okay, and they had like, and now you've got Cody. Like that's another like tv match at some point you, you it's an interesting do... mix cody truth and the creeds okay you could also throw nakamura in there and replace one of the judgment day members like right. that could be and then he has the purple mist oh the purple rain wow. um so there you go that was raw cody got laid out again on the floor with a knee we got the point and uh and that and that was raw i, I would say the the strength of the show was uh, a lot of the promos on the show in particular i thought a, a home run rollins punk segment that really felt like this is a big match that you've got. And it was interesting how you did have punk throwing out like the Roman reigns name on Friday mm-hmm. and at least throwing down that breadcrumb for the future. But you don't want that to overshadow. And I think after this, like people want to see this Rollins match. And- I mean, it's another TV show you could tease of, you know, if CM Punk wins the rumble saying which championship champion he's going to tease. You want to keep both of those possibilities alive because they very much are, you know, Punk versus Reigns is going to be a match at some point, even though it might not be this WrestleMania, but every match you could uh, basically draw with Punk feels very attractive right now. So I really thought this was a very good draw, you know, with a uh, uh, great storytelling, very good promo segments. Drew McIntyre continues to be, probably my favorite character right now in the wwe um he's just a great heel and a good promo from becky like making the nia jacks program feel like it's a hot program uh nakamura cody feels really strong right now as well so up and down this card like raw has just a lot of great stories heading into the rumble season maybe punk as a as a thank you to Shawn Michaels, does one more NXT appearance and he announces that, you know, with my signing bonus at Raw, I got a lot of money and he bails out Andre Chase from his debt. Why? What's in it for him? As a make a nice and then it becomes punk you. Punk you. Okay. I would buy that shirt. Sure. All right. Let's do let's do feedback and then we're gonna go to the Iron Claw contest. So we will move on over to the forum. And uh, Manny from Pacoima writes in, First Cora Jade returns at deadline, and now the man Wei Ting, fresh from the Dominican Republic, has returned home. The atmosphere between the Rollins and Punk face-off was electric. I hope they main event night two of Mania. Otherwise, the professor won't count it as the main event of WrestleMania. Mm. Ansoor made his uh, GCW debut, or makes his GCW debut over Royal Rumble weekend, and Andrade's next GCW match is against Jonathan Gresham. I've been loving seeing uh, Van Nuys' own Brody King being booked as a dominant force in the Continental Classic. He is, as Michael Cole would say, 
He has that <laughs> DYI mentality. God, I mean, listen. I'm glad everyone caught that one, and I really hope it sticks. I, I'm, I'm glad. I, I think it deserves to be caught. It's hilarious that that we're catching it and talking about it. But boy, do I feel bad being Michael Cole sometimes, or or thinking about what it's like to be Michael Cole sometimes, where every single thing you say. Remember that scene at uh, Billy Madison? It's like people to kill. <laughs> He's got a long list. John yeah. Pollock. <laughs> Muggin, and there's no way that Punk and Rollins will be night two. It, 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 it Reigns is going to have that match, and, and it's probably going to be Cody, um, unless it's Dwayne. So we'll see. All right, let's go to uh, Muggin, who says, clearly WWE didn't want to wait to put Punk and Rollins in the same ring. Ironically, in the same city where Punk made his well-documented exit. That segment moved mountains, and it made a good damn case to headline night one of WrestleMania. Uh, just speaking of uh, Cleveland, are you surprised he didn't bring up uh, Mickey Gall in his first year? No, because I, I I thought of that, but it's almost as though it does. It adds nothing to the story other than yeah. I, I feel they I don't think they want to put any spotlight on, on that. Like it just agreed. Not part of the like it's his wrestling. It's his walkout that they want to focus on. It might be a good heel line or like it'll be a good line for Seth to bring up or a heel to bring up. Sure. Against Punk. Sure. But it's not a point that they're in the pro they're, they're definitely trying to build up Punk right now. And then you don't necessarily want to mention his UFC career if you're trying to do that. All right. We got a Mike and who says uh, or who continues to say as much as I grown about Nia Jax, Becky Lynch gave me an excuse with wanting to get a receipt for Nia taking credit for making her five years ago. The New Year's Raw looks like a mini pay-per-view by putting Rollins and McIntyre as the headliner. I hope they bolster that show in the weeks ahead. It's nice to see themed episodes become a thing again. It was a nicely bookended show. Yeah, and Pierce called it the uh, the day one edition of Raw. So it sounds like they're taking that name that they used two years ago for the, the pay-per-view and applying it to like the day one uh, uh, of Raw. So I mm-hmm. could see them yeah, adding uh, quite a bit to that show. Um, oh, Brian from New Jersey just uh, chimed in here. I thought it was a solid show overall, aside from the Ripley Maxine Dupree match, which was more liquid, if anything. I really liked the Punk Rollins confrontation, Drew versus Jay, and the continued tension between Gunther and Miz. Here's some wild booking I thought of at the end of the show. Since the Creeds came out to save Cody from Nakamura, and the Creeds are challenging the Judgment Day for the tag titles next week. Could we see Nakamura cost them the match for getting involved in his business? This leads to Nakamura joining the Judgment Day and gradually remaking it in his image for the new year, where they go from there with the individual members. I haven't thought that far ahead. Um, I mean, that, that that's one idea of where you could take Nakamura to a group. At the very least, I could see him getting involved, and that gives you the alliance with Nakamura and the Judgment Day to kind of join all these these various parts together and you can do an eight man on tv you can do various um you know mix and match all of these different uh sides hey we also have some super chats here that i i did not get to earlier so apologies for that but we get one here from john taylor who sends five dollars thank you john he says when i was 40 years old all my hope was lost when waiting walked out of post wrestling for like a week for vacation welcome home way see there you go can you apologize for betraying the audience? To John and anybody I've disappointed for walking out for one week. For taking time that when have, you realized you uh you just wanted a break for yeah. for a week. Yeah. I apologize. betrayed a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, and also to Dickie Bird for being a member of our YouTube channel for 13 months. He says it's worth every penny. Thank you very much, Dickie. I'll tell you what else is worth every penny. A t-shirt 
from Crooked Tees or sorry, choptees.com. This is the new nothing home. crooked about this. Chopped-tees.com. That is the home of the new Poison Rana merch store where you can get the Poison Rana t-shirts. You can get uh, uh what up though t-shirts. You can get a shot, shot in the dark the, shot glass. Shot glass, which is going to be a hit for the holidays, I'm sure. Uh and and uh, from the mind of, of Dickie Bird himself, along with the BDE. So support our friends over at Poison Rana. All right. It's contest time. So now we are going to go to our submissions that you have sent in. So these are for four pairs of tickets we're giving away to the Iron Claw screening this coming Thursday night at the Scotiabank Theater in Toronto. So uh, we ask you to cast your dream wrestling biopic. So Way is going to bring up the... Uh, actor or actress that you chose and the subject and we're going to determine who was the best uh, casting director in the post wrestling universe so we're going to judge this um based on i guess our reactions or or, or you know let's let's say our reactions i'm also going to put some weight to how interested i would be in watching this film <laughs> okay I have not looked at any of these, so these are all fresh to my eyes. I'm I'm partially curious about how many of these actors we might even know. Oh, um, even better. So. If I have to do some research on the fly, um, I don't know if that'll be added points or um, we'll t- be taking them away from you. Okay, well, the first submission comes to us from the man from Brampton who wants to nominate Anna Akana as Asuka. Are you, are you familiar with the actress Anna Akana? Well, um, Anna Akana is an acquired <laughs> taste. Um, she, of course, uh, an American actress, comedian, filmmaker, musician, and YouTuber who was uh, born in August of 89. Um, um, wow. Is she an influencer? In 2000, so, she so I, only, I, only, I, I do recognize Oh, she was an from, Ant-Man. She was an Ant-Man way. I mean, barely, you know. Okay. I, I do recognize her from, um, like, just being a YouTuber. But to be honest, like, as a 40-year-old, she's kind of, like, not, a, not something okay. really well, on Okay, let me radar. ask you a basic question. If it wasn't the specific photo of her with, the with like, the makeup, <laughs> would we be thinking of Asuka in the least? I mean, she, I guess, I think she's part, part Asian or, or <laughs> all, all, I don't know. Not um, all Asians look alike way. I, I don't appreciate that stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be. So I, I don't think uh the man from Brampton is winning, unfortunately. Well, it's it's a it's a good start. Let's good let's start. All right, the other candidates. Room okay? to grow. We, we thank all these. This people. might be a good one. All right, Pedro Pascal as Eddie Guerrero, courtesy of at or at a real zinger. What do you think? Uh, I like I like this one a lot. This is a uh, number one, a, a pretty strong actor. I think if we were to have a, a Eddie Guerrero biopic, this this would be th- this would give you a signal that it's like a serious movie that this is going to be uh, something of uh, some substance uh, attached to it. So um, I'm most familiar with him from Narcos, and okay, this is like uh, consider myself intrigued. By, I think I think he'd be a great Eddie. Yeah, like he's um, got like the 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 facial structure i mean it's you, you could certainly buy this guy as as eddie guerrero yeah and, and you know yeah so when we're talking about like an eddie guerrero story obviously like you want somebody who could play the in-ring eddie guerrero you know the very charismatic latino heat eddie guerrero but i mean the eddie guerrero behind the scenes with with like all the problems that he had to deal with on, on a personal uh level i i i would love to see pedro pascal you know attempt to maybe you know give give his take on what that story might entail so good choice here from a real zinger. All right, let's uh, move down here. Uh, okay, 
Daniel. <laughs> so Yusuf Alvi sends in one. He says, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis would destroy this role if he wasn't oh, no. retired. Daniel Day-Lewis as Vince McMahon. As a great admirer of the man's work, I would personally plead for Daniel Day-Lewis to not play Vince McMahon. <laughs> Though, yes, I, I would absolutely watch this. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you go from Vince McMahon to Daniel Day-Lewis. I guess, I mean, you'd be honored, I guess, Come to on. have a... Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. I could uh, see some it. resemblance. Yes, I could. They, and and Yusuf pick, picks up good photos here. I would say. I mean, he'd have to you know hit the gym. I would say you know. Can you imagine more. Daniel Day Lewis like squirting ketchup next to his steak on screen and, and eating it? Do you, do, you, do you think he would have like a steak wrap with with ketchup? I'm trying. Like he's a method actor, right? Yeah. Although I mean, you got to be careful of your subject matter. Right, you're right. Yeah, but um, just you know, seeing him thinking or hearing the news report that Daniel Day Lewis has been eating chicken wraps for the past six months, I think would be um pretty interesting. Yeah. So that's a great choice, I would say. Okay, opinion. okay, Daniel Day Lewis as Vince McMahon. Sure, let's okay. Uh... All right, Rob McDonald sends in one. Um, he says he's in the news a lot right now, so let's see a controversial actor tackle a controversial wrestler, Shia LaBeouf as CM Punk. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love this photo that these uh he's he's added here just like I, I feel this is him somewhat stating, okay, you pro like the photo alone wouldn't sell you on it, so let's let's like yeah, yeah. nudge you in the direction here. I also like that uh as Way is pulling this up, Jack Perry is trending. Um right. okay, open to it open to it i don't know if he'd be my first to cast as a as cm punk um shia labeouf as cm punk it is interesting shia labeouf is gonna grab grab your interest i would say like it's it's certainly it's not a bad one it's not bad no um can he pull off uh, phil brooks yeah um it I, i i'm open i'm open to seeing it i'd be curious it's not the type of casting where i'm like i have to go see it you know um, I mean, I'm, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, let's move on here. Um, <laughs> Anthony Brennan says, "Stranger Things." David Harbor could light up the big screen as Mick Foley. What do you think? Okay, that's uh, not not one I would ever think of, but I'm looking at this and I'm I'm okay with this one. I think that this is, um, you know, I I think David Harbor could certainly he'd be willing to go through certain body transformation for this role. And I think that this is, this is a great photo, first of all, for, yeah, for this particular photo. comparison, like you could have had a photo and you would have lost me, but this is um, the door is open. I like this one. Yeah. I'm open to this too. Um, Foley is really interesting. I mean, again, you know, you need an actor who could play the sweet side and also like the, the cactus Jack sort of um, death match wrestling side. Um, has David Harbor shown that ability, shown that range? There's I don't know. No way that dude's growing his hair out, though. Okay, he's he's holding on mm. desperately. He would need some assistance on on, on that front for uh, Hollywood. For Prime could, Foley, yeah. Hollywood could do a whole lot. Uh, okay, up next we've got um, <laughs> Cesaro and uh, the guy he's constantly compared to. Please help me, John. I forget this dude's name. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Thank you, uh, Jason. <laughs> 
I'm laughing more at the idea of a biopic on um, Claudio Castagnoli, which I don't think is ever. Um, I mean, there's no no disrespect here to Claudio Castagnoli, but I don't know of any studio that would be stating, you know what, we're putting twenty million dollars the Claudio Castagnoli story. A twenty four is next next uh, feature. Here, here's the one savior. Okay, if you drop the teaser and it's Jason Statham yodeling. That might that might be crossing over into uh yeah. in the yeah we can go yeah. through everything. There's quite the uh, story to be told, I'm sure. Uh, okay, I'm trying to see uh, what else we got here. Um, blah, blah, blah. We've got that. We've got a couple submissions here. Okay, another one for CM Punk. This one comes to us from at Kala34. John Hamm as oh, CM wow. Punk. Um, again, great photo choice. I mean, it, it, people did some work here of uh yeah. you know uh putting them together. I mean. They look alike, but you know, if you were to tell me off the top of my head, like John Hamm and CM Punk, I'm not seeing any um, resemblance. But then you see these photos together, and I mean, man, there's like certainly you could it. This kind of um, it's it's weird that this um, they they look so alike here in these photo comparisons. Yeah, great photo choices here. Um, can can he pull it off as an actor? John Hamm, uh, can he do Phil Brooks? Yes. Um, you know, had had CM Punk become a marketing executive in the '60s, I, th- I think maybe he would have been Don Draper. Uh, so you're saying yes? All right, um, we'll go with it. Enzo says Donald Glover as the junkyard dog. This could be Glover's raging bull performance. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, he'd have to put on like 200 pounds. I would. Say yeah, Jason. like beyond the sort of photo, I I'm not I'm not sure as much about this one. Yeah, I don't I don't know about this one. Yeah. Um, okay, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't I, know I don't have much to say about that either. Uh, all right, we've also got okay, um, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe as Vince McMahon. Willem. Okay, now this this one. Okay, this this one definitely. This I see much more than Daniel Day Lewis. Willem Dafoe the photos they get. I mean, yeah. if this doesn't summarize Vince McMahon here, then what does? Willem Dafoe could definitely do Mr. McMahon. Um, Vince in his real life. Yeah, I think he could, he could pull it off. I think it's a good one. But I can't give this guy uh, at Victory Lund the win because he's not going to the screening. But, you know, very good choice. Okay, okay. we've also got Jason Momoa as Bruiser Brody. Oh, as Bruiser Brody. Okay. Yeah. Um, possible possible you could do that i mean you've you've got quite the story with a with a bruiser brody that you would think could be uh extended to a um a film adaptation um i like this one it's yeah. a, like bruiser brody is a tough character to cast i would say and uh th- we're, we're looking here not not just like simply resemblance but also i mean someone you would actually want to attach to one of these projects that would be you know I don't have much of a sense of like Brody's like personality outside of like, you know, his wrestling personality. So it's, I don't even know what, what that would entail. Um, but is, is Brody, does he have any part in Iron Claw? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. There's, no, there, there, there's quite a few. I have no idea who this dude is. You're going to have to help me, John. But this guy who's uh, very, very uh, ripped as The Undertaker. I have no idea who this is, and no, I don't think that this would be the Undertaker. Um, Joe, his name is Joe, is as much as uh, we've learned. So, um, I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> a good looking man as the undertaker shirtless, a shirtless version of the undertaker okay um, all right uh just a couple more here <laughs> jeremy sends in daryl hammond as bruce pritchard what do you think <laughs> would you watch a bruce pritchard biopic oh my god daryl hammond i read daryl hammond's book a few years ago it was uh <laughs> i i like this one i, I think this one should be Okay, got it right there. Yeah, that, that reaction says it alone. I mean, I'm going to see a Bruce Pritchard biopic starring Daryl Hannah. <laughs> I know, I'm just the Bruce Pritchard story. <laughs> yeah. Coming to theaters next year. Yeah, something to wrestle uh, starring Daryl Hammond. I'm, I'm there, so that yeah. that's a good one right there. Okay, so we've got uh, co- only a couple more here. Uh, Hansi sends in Action Bronson as Bray Wyatt. Oh, wow. Um I don't. I mean, he's got the look. Certainly, I. I don't know what he's like as an actor. Nor do as I. As soon as Action Bronson speaks, I. I think you kind of lose the thread to Bray Wyatt. I mean, they're yeah. they're very distinct speakers. Uh, unless, well. unless he's just a very special actor that I. I really don't know about. It's hard for me to see it. But hey, um, the look is certainly there. Um, okay, let's also go now. Lastly, to. Uh, hey, friend of the sh- well. Okay, well. What? Not a friend of the show? No, no. I, I, I was gonna say the last one here, but okay. Uh, Renee Paquette starring this blonde. Who is this? Uh, oh, it's uh, Margot Robbie, right? Margot Robbie playing Renee. Paquette. <laughs> <The> Renee <laughs> Paquette biopic. Starring the Renee Paquette Renee. story. Yes, Margot Robbie um, from from Toronto to. The worldwide heights of AEW. Um, I was just laughing at the idea. I don't know if beyond like the fact that they're both like very attractive blondes that um, I see as much like Margot Robbie in Renee. She could pull it off. I mean, she could pull off probably any role, but is it like a dream casting? I'm not so sure. Um, well, I mean, if if they greenlit the the Renee Paquette story, I mean. Um, this would be this would be a big get if they could get uh Margot Robbie. Yeah, I mean okay. this this would put Barbie to shame. I think I think this would uh this would be the entry point for her to truly break through. That's right. Thank you very much, Kristen Ashley. And uh, we go to I guess another friend of the show here, Brandon from New Jersey, with our final submission, Randy Orton, played by uh <laughs> this. <laughs> rock that's uh, usually me during the third hour of raw (laughs) sorry audio listeners we can't i can't really describe it but okay this is very much a video contest if you're listening to this (laughs) god bless but this is meant for video do we have four winners john okay daryl hammond daryl hammond Hammond. how about we each get to pick two um okay I'm um, going to go with uh, – so congratulations at Jeremy, the MVP, for choosing Daryl Hammond as Bruce Pritchard. That's I a just, very good one. I'm going to say uh, Pedro yeah. Pascal is Eddie. Yep. So congrats at at a real zinger. Uh, let's review here. Oh, we forgot a last one. Ed Harris <laughs> as John Pollock. Ed Harris as John Pollock. Now, I think everyone knows that uh, Ed Harris starred in the acclaimed hit Pollock. Wow. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Um, I don't know if I should be uh, applauded by this uh, comparison or not. Um, 
but I sure. think he would. You're, play you're not you're not going to sneak your way by by just choosing me. But thank you for the submission. He would play a hell of a John Pollock. Uh, very good choice, but yeah, okay, maybe uh, I'm going to say um that's disqualified. Coming to theater soon, everyone. It's a it's a mat it's a it's a double matinee special. Come for the Bruce Pritchard story, and then we're playing the John Pollock Chronicles immediately afterwards. I mean, God, if the if the if the strike didn't kill the box office. Uh, I'd be there. I'd be there first day at yeah, that screen. Compelling story. I would love to hear Ed Harris's thoughts on my life story. <laughs> okay, um, we've okay, got so Anna. with Eddie Guerrero. We are going with Daryl Hammond as uh, Brother Love. I don't think and... we're going with Anna Akana as Asuka. Okay, um, she'll be what, okay. What do you think of Daryl uh, Daniel Day Lewis as Vince McMahon? Okay, of our Vince McMahon options, Daniel Day Lewis. I, or... I like Willem Dafoe personally. All right, I. I agree. Let's give it to Willem Dafoe uh, at Victory Line for choosing that. And the last one, okay. By the way, this uh, very jacked man, his name is Joel Manganiello. He's Sophia Vega's husband. Vagera, I think uh, Ponzi means to say. Um, but okay. Uh, that's that. Um, we've got Bruiser Brody with Jason Momoa. Uh, Donald Glover as Junkyard Dog. I don't think that's happening. John Hamm as CM Punk. Jason Statham as uh, Cesaro. I don't think that's winning. David Harbour as Cactus Jack. And Shia LaBeouf as CM Punk. You make And I say I, I would watch just about all of these movies. Maybe not for all the right reasons, but I would definitely want to watch like most of these. Well, you'd watch any biopic with anybody I, I, involved in wrestling, I think. You know, that's Listen, like, if you, if you just, okay. My I'm leaning towards um the, the two I like um are, are David Harbour as Mick Foley and um <laughs> scroll down. I'm I'm blanking here on Jason uh, Momoa. Jason Momoa. And uh, that's kind of uh, Shia LaBeouf as CM Punk or John Hamm as CM Punk. The John Hamm one does have a unique. Okay, you know what? I'm. I... How many do we have left? One, one left. One left. What? Where are you leaning? I'm leaning just for the picture choices. Choices alone. I I think this uh, this person did a really good job picking their photos. Let's go, cool. with John Hamm. All right, John Ham is CM Punk. Congratulations, you've won the part, and congratulations to at Call of Thirty Four winning our last pair of tickets here to go see the Iron Claw on uh, Thursday. Is that four? Did I did I pick right? Right? Yeah, we gave away four. Okay, we so we Daryl Hammond, <laughs> Willem Dafoe, uh, Eddie Guerrero, and the last one for John Ham perfect okay so congratulations to all four of you guys i will be sending you uh contact information i will be putting your names for you and a guest to go see the iron claw i was going to say ahead of everybody in the world but clearly not because john pollock has already seen it john cena has already seen it so it's really already seen it now yeah you will but you'll see it before most of the world okay so congratulations to you guys along with our four instagram winners Greg James, Jimmy Hills, Sean Stratuic, and Jeremy Motley. I've already contacted all of you. Uh, All of you guys are going to get to see the Iron Claw at the Scotiabank Theater on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Don't show up, everybody, okay, if you're not a part of this list. It's a very exclusive list here. Uh, And thank you to the Tower Group and Elevation Pictures for sponsoring these tickets in this contest. Yeah, and once you see the movie um, on the forum, please uh, start a thread or something because I'd I'd be very curious to hear everyone's thoughts once they get a chance to see the film as well. And I'm sure we're going to be doing a show uh, about the Iron Claw and the history of world class at some point uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hey, who is uh, who is the other person that you are thinking of uh, choosing to go to 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 win? 
Because the Willem Dafoe guy, thank you, Rob McDonald, is telling us that he can't go or told okay. us. That and I was leaning towards either Jason Momoa or David Harbour. I, I'll go with David Harbour as uh, Mick Foley. Congratulations, Anthony, Anthony Brennan. You have suddenly won tickets to go see the Iron Claw. David Harbour, congratulations. You are cast as Mick Foley. Done. Okay. Well, there you have it, everybody. Congratulations to the winners. And uh, welcome back, Wei Ting. He is home and... We're going to put them to work all week long. Uh, tune in later this week. Uh, Pollock and Thurston on Wednesday. We're going to be joined by Jason Cruz of MMA Payout to chat about both the WWE and MLW settlement and the UFC antitrust suit. Wednesday night, it is Winter is Coming, so Way and I will have a review of that. And then the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 coming up this Thursday on Rewind Away. So lots to come this coming week. We're going to have coverage of... UFC 296, the NWA podcast is back this week and a free edition of Rewind to SmackDown on Friday night because John and Kate will be reviewing Final Battle on the cafe. So we have lots coming up as the show is coming or the year is coming to a close. Are you ready for the end of 2023, Way? Not at all. No. Okay. On that note, we will say good night. And since Way's back, that means the credits are back because John Pollock could not figure that out last week. Good night.